One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's a brand new year, and what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of? Those I was there when Arsenal actually scored a goal t shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. because obviously Arsenal started really quickly, really intense, and that was clearly part of the game plan. But then the second half, you had to bring the game under a bit more control, trying to do that with two centre-halves on yellow cards without Kim Little. How happy were you with your team and you know players changing position? Just how happy with the fle- were you with the flexibility your players showed? <coughs> yeah, I like that because we, we knew that some part of it, of course, you, you have to defend a little bit lower against a team like Bayern also. It's not our preference, but we get forced to do it because we, we're not quite getting our positioning right, so we drop a little bit deeper. But what I think it's the big difference between this game and the game that we played last week against them is that when we get into those moments, we don't lose our discipline. We did that a little bit in the other games. We start opening up central areas and Bayern is very, very skillful there. Now the only thing that was happening was that they could switch the ball, but on the outside of our organization. It was very rarely they came inside to our organization and, and played. And I think you can see that when you look through the whole game, that there is not a lot of goal-scoring opportunities that Bayern creates, I think. Clara Bull's one where they actually switch play and they come inside our organization in the beginning of the second half is probably the strongest one that they have in the game. But if you look for 90 minutes against a high quality team like Bayern Munich, I think that's a very impressive defensive display from us. And uh, yeah, that was preempts my second question a bit actually. I, I thought the job that Steiner and Frieda did on, because Bayern, so much of what they do is through Zadrazil and Stanway. And I thought the job that Steiner and Frieda did almost blocking that and making sure that the ball came outside. Um, it sounds like clearly that was something you talked about before the game. Yeah, it was. And, <clears throat> but also how the whole team shape is affecting of that. Because what you could see in the first game was that when we were losing our shape a little bit there and then it became too big of a space for Frieda and Stina to deal with in the pressure. But when we engage our central midfield and wide forwards better and we keep our team shape better in pressing, now we 
also limit the distances that they have to cover and that makes a huge difference so I think the players really got that right at many times um, tonight and the first goal is is one example of that of course it's also a great strike for freedom on them so I'm not saying it's just down to pressing but without those pressing we don't get the ball there in the first place Hello and welcome to a very impromptu and I'm afraid to say solo Arsenal episode of the Arsenal Women Arsecast with me, your host, your guest, your panel, your judge, your jury, your executioner, Tim Stillman. Um, I didn't get a guest for this and one of the things I think I've really got to learn from the last couple of weeks is to plan content for when, if and when Arsenal when Arsenal win big games because I did this for the Conti Cup final as well. Arsenal won the Conti Cup final. Everyone felt wonderful, very very celebratory and then I had absolutely nothing lined up. Um, And that wasn't down to a lack of confidence in the team. I actually did think we were going to win the Conti Cup final and I said so on Sky Sports News so it's a matter of public record. However, I didn't really plan anything for after this game. We were going to do a mailbag, I think, next week at the beginning of the international break. But given that Arsenal um, on Wednesday evening overturned their 1-0 deficit in the UEFA Champion, Women's Champions League quarterfinal, beat Bayern Munich at Emirates Stadium in front of 20,000 people, 2-0 with a, what has to be said an outstanding performance there's a lot of love going around at the moment and one thing I've learned in my content creation years is when there's love give people content because that's what they want so you'll have to forgive the fact that this is going to be a solo pod because I've arranged this on the fly because I'm very disorganized um, and, and it was a bit weird I thought to myself should I do a solo pod is that is that a thing that people do is that the worst thing a human being can do and then I thought well I do videos where I just talk to the camera on my own and unfortunately, well not unfortunately, but our videographer Jason is on a very well-deserved break this week. So this would have just been a video anyway. So I don't really know why I thought talking into a microphone was on my own was so much more offensive than talking to a camera. At least this way people can't see me either, which um, really I think adds to your experience. But anyway... I really wanted to do something on that buy-in game um, on Wednesday evening. I think across the two legs, 2-1 to Arsenal as an aggregate score, enormously flattered Bayern. I mean, I think think if you chunk this game out into four halves, Arsenal absolutely dominated two of them, controlled one of them, so absolutely dominated the second half of the first leg and the first half of the second leg controlled the second half of the second leg I think the first half of the first leg was even I think both teams played quite well and had and had chances um, so I, I don't even think there was really if you take the 180 minutes there weren't many periods where I felt Arsenal were really under pressure from Bayern and that's really saying something Bayern have conceded four goals in the Frauen Bundesliga all season long they're top of the league they've just beaten Wolfsburg they've won 14 games in a row they're a very very good team with lots of very good players you only need to look at their team sheet to understand that so for Arsenal to so comprehensively outplay them across two legs I think is just absolutely fantastic and I think that really feeds into the happiness that I'm seeing today it's not just that Arsenal did it it's that they deserve to do it and look every one of us I think would have taken an undeserved victory in this in this tie 
Um, but there's just something extra, I think, when you're a, a bit like the Conti Cup final. Every one of us would have taken a scrappy draw and a penalty shootout win, I'm sure. But the fact that we dominated it and won it, because that, that gives you hope for the future as well, you know, because you look at it and you think in the space of a month, we dominated Chelsea, dominated Bayern. And that really says something for this team, particularly with some of the absences. So I'm going to chunk this up, really, um, analysing more last night's game than the first leg into two parts. And the first bit, I want to go a bit vibesy with you because I think everyone's feeling a bit vibesy today, a bit soft factory. Um, one of the things I think we did in our pre-season season review podcast where we had where myself, Pippa and Alex uh, had Ian Wright on the show and we talked about what would success look like this season. And, and usually... I'm not prescriptive in that kind of conversation. My view around Arsenal, every year I'm asked that question and every year I say Arsenal should compete for the title. They should compete for the FA Cup. They should compete for the Conti Cup. They should probably win at least one of them, but they should compete for all of those. Um, And, you know, last season, for example, Arsenal finished second, one point behind Chelsea. They lost the FA Cup final, so they did compete for those prizes, but they didn't win any of them. And ordinarily, I'd look at that and say, okay, that's kind of fine. Do that again next year. You'll probably win something. But I really came into the season thinking that Arsenal needed, needed these players and this coach needed two things. I think they needed to win a trophy. That had to happen. It had been too long. And I think... I think the thing is you can come to a stage where not doing it starts to become a problem. And I think that Conti Cup final win... It's like an economies of scale moment for the season. I was terrified going into it because I thought the consequences of not winning it could have been potentially very significant. Um, but the potential, sorry, the consequent, the potential consequences of winning it could also be really significant. It really felt like a knife edge game um, to me, and I went into that thinking, if Arsenal lose this, then I feel like the loss of belief from both the fans and potentially the players as well, um, could be could be pretty difficult to deal with. But on the flip side of that, you win it and everything changes. And I think everything has I wouldn't say everything's changed. Like there were there were signs in the right direction before that. But Jonas Eideval said in his post match press conference last night, he said a good process can maintain you for the medium term, but sooner or later for the belief of the group you need results. That's the kind of, he described it as the flywheel. Um, and that, that's the thing that picks the speed up. Um, and, and I think we really had that in the Conti Cup. And actually in his pre-match press conference as well, he was quite he was quite buoyant. He said, look, I have this feeling that this team can beat anyone on their day. And, uh, you know, he said that he'd said to the players, we proved that against Chelsea. I think that was so significant to win that final and to win it against Chelsea, I think just smashed two big psychological barriers. And we're, we're seeing the impact of that now. And hopefully that impact can carry over to Sunday because um, that's a huge game against Man City. I'll come on to that later. But the other thing I felt Arsenal had to do coming into this season, I felt like they had to get to the semi-final of the Champions League. Because again, we'd just become this perennial quarter-final team and you can get stuck in that. We've seen that with the men's team 
the men's team when they were in the Champions League and they'll be back there next year, um, I think almost certainly, became the perennial round of 16 team, you know, and I think you can circle that plug hole quite quickly and I felt like getting through to the semi-finals, a significant, a significant checkbox for this team and this project and so... It, it's so weird because the league is so tight that Arsenal could just as easily finish fourth as first this year. Either of those two things could happen. And obviously, if one of those things happen, it's not a successful season, unless we go on to win the Champions League, in which case I don't care where we finish in the WSL, quite frankly, um, if it's not first. Um, like, I just felt like winning the trophy and getting to the semi-final of the Champions League, these, to me with two big, tangible progress identifiers I felt like we had to do. So to have done both of those, I think is absolutely, it's just, that's. I think that's a big part of why everyone feels so good about this result, why everyone felt so good about the Conti Cup final. It's not just about the trophy or the semi-final itself, it's that it represents something else, I think, and potentially represents excitement for the future and, you look at Arsenal this season in the Champions League, like they smashed Leon away. Um, they dealt with Juventus in a very matter of fact way. They've dominated Bayern Munich. Like it's a world away, I think, from where they were last season. And Art de Rocher from The Athletic, he asked uh, Jonas about that, about like the process of improving in European games and doing things like training with the Academy Boys teams. Um, so that they can have that intensity and deal with that intensity, but also adding gears to their game. And I think you really saw that last night because essentially what happened last night was that in the first half an hour, the first half, Arsenal came out all guns blazing. They were super intense, pressing, harrying, huge physical effort. Kim Little gets injured and Arsenal don't miss a beat because they're just so intense and they get into that two goal lead but then the second half became about something else because you can't play like that for 90 minutes and a team like Bayern probably won't let you play like that for 90 minutes so the second half was much more about control and to do that without Kim Little if I was looking to control a game uh, you know in a one goal lead and there was one player in the whole world I could pick I mean Kim Little would be near the top of my list so to be without her in that phase of the game and still to be able to manage to do that, I think is incredible. Bayern's midfield is amazing. Zadrazil, Stamway, Lina Magul, these are, these are three of the top midfielders in the world. And Arsenal, who also have three of the top midfielders in the world, I think, um, really manage that really, really well. The other thing that um, Jonas talked about as well was using the frustration they felt from some of the decisions in the first leg. I think it's pretty clear that Arsenal should have had at least one penalty in the first leg. and um, But he talked in his pre-match press conference about using that frustration and turning it into positive energy and looking at the fact that, I mean, even beside that, Arsenal really should have scored at least once in the first leg. But he was really urging his players to focus on the positives of that, but without taking for granted that the game would be exactly the same. Because in the group stage, we saw Bayern, they, you know, they got beaten well by Barcelona away, but they learned from that game. They took Barcelona back to the Allianz and beat them uh, 3-2, which again shows you a little bit about the pedigree of that team. So 
I don't think you could take for granted, oh, the second leg will be just exactly like the first leg was, we'll dominate it and it'll just be a case of whether we score. Like you can't take that for granted against a team like Bayern. So, you know, that's that's all the kind of the soft factory stuff, the impact of the Conti Cup final over the last month. Also, I think the way Arsenal have, I mean, it hasn't been an enormous rejig, but one of the things, um, you know, with Vivian Miedema and Beth Mead out, like Jonas has been asked constantly about this over the last few weeks. I know because I've asked him more than anyone probably about learning to play without those two players. But one of the things I always felt looking at Arsenal's forward line, (coughs) excuse me, without those players, sorry, excuse me, one minute. This is the thing about doing a solo pod. Sometimes you get a frog in your throat. There we go. One of the things that, um, really struck me looking at that forward line, you know, Caitlin Ford, Stina Blackstenius, um, you know, sometimes Katie McCabe's in there, sometimes Victoria Pullover's in there, um, and Frieda Mornham as well. I was looking at it and I was like, that's quite a physical front line. Like they're quite big players. They're powerful players. So I felt Arsenal have probably got to find a way to lean into that, um, literally and figuratively speaking. I think what you're seeing now is those players can press. And uh, Jonas referenced something after the game. He talked about how he'd read an article by Magdalena Eriksson, someone he described as um, a player and an athlete he really respects and therefore he reads kind of what she says. But she talked about, I think she was previewing the Champions League quarterfinals and she talked about what it felt like to play against Arsenal's press and how difficult it was. And he said like that was music to his ears essentially and and I think with those players obviously like Beth Mead one of the best pressing players in the world I think but the other players can do that and they are doing that and but the whole time Jonas has been asked about that his line has been exactly the same he he likes his his kind of self-help quotes Jonas and the one he's come out with a lot lately is that um, you can have results or you can have excuses but you can't have both And so there's been a focus inside the club and inside the team about, okay, we don't have those players anymore. No problem. We just, we get on with it and we work out something else. And even after, you know, the West Ham game, the nil-nil draw um, back in February, which came at a difficult moment off the back of the transfer window where Arsenal hadn't got the striker they wanted. They draw nil-nil away at West Ham. Obvious what the questions were all about. And Jonas was very calm after that and he said look I believe in these players and what is gone is gone I'm not obsessed about what did and didn't happen in January we crack on and I think we're beginning to see some of the fruits of that and that they really got on with it and just worked out how to play to the strengths of the attackers that they've got Um, so anyway that's the kind of the slightly vibesy side a little bit I guess on the pressing and the physical impact of some of these players but um, let's kind of look at the game a little bit more. Well, I guess just some headlines from the game a little bit more in depth. First of all, the starting lineup, um, some of the headlines around that. Victoria Palova kept her place, not surprised at all with the performance she put in in the North London derby and the intensity on and off the ball she was able to play with, the way she keeps the ball, I think is a really, really big thing for this attack. I think when you've got Palova and Ford wide, those two players it's difficult to take the ball off them um and even if you do the most you probably do is concede a throw in so they're a really good way of sustaining attacks and they're both very good at coming back and fighting to get the ball back so like a fullback 
doesn't have an easy time against either of those players. They're irritating to play against. It's difficult for your fullbacks to get purchase, not just because they're good attackers, but even if you take the ball off them, they're coming right back at you. And it's very disruptive. Um, <clears throat> so there was that. And one of the things I've noticed, I'm going to ask Jonas about later this week, is that when Pelova plays on the right, Noel Maritz tends to play behind him. And I think Noel Maritz is someone who really deserves her flowers and to be singled out. I felt like one of the almost unfortunate things at the beginning of this season was that we kind of had to choose between Wien Reuter and Noel Maritz, both of whom I think are excellent players, both of whom I think playing very, very well. I, I can't point you to many bad Noel Maritz games, to be honest. I don't think she in and of herself deserved to come out of the team. It was just the case that Laura Wien Reuter put herself into that team. She made herself undroppable earlier in the season. And so what's Noel Maritz done? She's responded to that. And since Christmas, she started, you know, Chelsea in the Conti Cup final, Manchester City away, albeit that wasn't a great day, but she started that game, starts both legs against Bayern um, and plays in both fullback positions in both of them, completes the 90 minutes, plays in the North London derby. Like she's getting the big games now and it feels like, I, you know, the fullbacks will rotate and I don't think any of those fullbacks can take for granted that they'll play the next game, but it really feels like she's she's fought back and that's great to see how competition has driven that. Um, but I also do think there's, there's something, I haven't quite worked out what it is, there's something that Jonas likes about Pelover and Noel Maritz together. So I wasn't too surprised. Um, to see that. And obviously he picked Zinsberger in goal for the first leg. So I was fully expecting that for the second leg. And and that was it really, because um, Leo Valti, Kim Little and Frieda Mornham, that is the midfield that starts every game. Caitlin always starts, Steiner always starts. It was always going to be Leo Williamson and Hafaieli. And, th- and then I guess it was just the case with the fullbacks. Do you, um, uh, do you play Noel? Um, at left back maybe but I think if Katie McCabe's available I think she's been brilliant recently and really hope her injury isn't too bad and she had an exceptional game so the the kind of the starting lineup I mean you can go back and uh, consult my match preview because I got it spot on which I don't always do um, but I really felt that would be the team um, this time and and yeah I, I think what's the the question I asked Jonas in the post-match press conference was about the variety the team showed because they were out of the traps. They were so intense that first half an hour. They get their two goals as a result of that. And then they go into control mode. Um, but but before we kind of get on to control mode, I mean the goals, um, particularly the first one, which... On Arsenal's Twitter feed already has over 3 million views at the time of recording on Thursday afternoon. Um, you know, the DAZN one retweeted all around the world because it's an exceptional goal. Um, you know, the the part the first time pass from Leo Valti, Stina with a lovely kind of um, bump pass to Leo Williamson, fantastic flick from Leo, and then Frieda Mornham. I mean, I don't really know if it's possible to be more top corner than that, than that shot. And, and Jonas, um, he talked about a couple of elements of this goal. He said, first of all, he was delighted with the pressing because if you look back, Arsenal win the ball back off Bayern at, on the edge of their box, which was a big, big part of their game plan to press Bayern in those areas. Um, 
and and so to win the ball back that high up but then um once I, I asked Jonas something about this last season, about the way Chelsea often do this. As much as I don't like to reference Chelsea being good, unfortunately, it is kind of a fact. But one of the things that Chelsea perfected under Emma Hayes is not just that they press you, but once they press you, it's, you know, the, the whole point of pressing is that you win the ball back when the other team is disorganised, but that doesn't stay the case forever. They are eventually going to reorganise. So once you win it back, it has to be one, two, three in. You know, you have to get your shot off within a couple of touches. And that's something that Chelsea were were very good at with the kind of harder Kirby Kerr front three. And that's what you saw here. It's all one touch. Uh, three, one touch, and then shot first time. So Bayern never get reset. But then, of course, you know, as Jonas pointed out, that goal is not just because of pressing. It's an, it's an absolutely world-class shot from Frieda Mornham. And one of the things that Jonas said after the game was that Frieda has worked on that a lot. I think we see that in the games anyway. Frieda doesn't mind a whack from distance. Sometimes she does it too often when she should pass. Um, but, you know, she scored from outside the box against Tottenham as well. And he said, you know, she's been practicing that shot for months and months and one of the things he was talking about was like first of all what he liked about the goal was that it came from the pressing so that convinces the players go and do that again because you know you get the result from it but also he was talking about on the individual aspect with Frida practicing that shot so much and then it coming off in a big moment in a big game he said like that creates culture around the training ground because it shows her and everyone else I worked on this for months. I spent hours perfecting that shot. And then when it dropped to me in his Champions League quarterfinal, I was able to execute. Um, and so he was he was very big on that. And then the second goal, he talked as well about, uh, it's, it's a fantastic piece of play from Katie McCabe on the left. And I think really justified, you know, you can play Katie in any number of positions. I'm very glad she was playing at left back, particularly in that moment, because it's a wonderful cross. And the other thing that Jonas spoke about is how Steena's really worked on that specific movement. Um, and, and by the way, she's she's just been so good recently um, as well. I think she's really refound her confidence as the chemistry has grown in the attack. And she's scoring big goals. She got the winner in the Conti Cup semi-final. She scores the equaliser in the Conti Cup final. She scores in this game. She opens the scoring in the North London derby. She's starting to get those big goals. But he talked about how she'd practiced like learning to hold her run, learning to delay her run. Um, so if I if I kind of expand on what Jonas means there, perhaps a few weeks ago, perhaps a few months ago, when Katie McKay puts that cross in, maybe Steena's already waiting under the crossbar for it, and therefore it just becomes like it becomes a bit more difficult to attack it. Whereas he said she'd worked on holding off so that then she can run and meet the cross. So you know, in the stadium, I don't know how people felt watching on TV, but it's one of those goals in the stadium that as soon as the McCabe cross comes in, in your mind, you've already completed the action. Cross comes in, you can see Steena running onto it, and in your head, you're like, that's a goal. That's a goal. Like two seconds before it happens, you know it's a goal. And he, and you know, Jonas spoke about that as well. He said that's another piece of evidence for her and the other players that this is something she specifically worked on for quite a long time and she got a big reward um by scoring in the in the winning goal 
in the Champions League quarterfinal as a result. So, you know, two really pleasing goals. But the way I think Arsenal controlled that second half without Kim, with both their centre-halves on yellow cards, they then had to take Katie McCabe off, switch Noel Maritz to left-back, and they did that without missing a beat. That's another development in this team. When you look back, uh, go and look on Soccerway or something and look from like mid-February to the end of the season the starting lineup almost never changes. And that continuity helped Arsenal at that point because they were playing the same team every week and it was all muscle memory. But where Arsenal have developed, we really see it in this game as they've got that, they've reintroduced some of that flexibility that maybe we saw under Joe Montemoro, where players are comfortable swapping positions um, and swapping roles. Um, but here, I think more a tactical and psychological edge where Arsenal are able to fly out of the traps, get themselves in front and then kind of call the dogs off a bit and not sit back, but control the game. That's the element I think Arsenal didn't have last season, that ability to just control a game without feeling the need to, you know, oh, we must get the ball to the edge of the penalty area every time we get it, just bringing a game under control that's really important in Europe. So, you know, look, this is Arsenal's first Champions League semi-final in a decade. Um, and, I, you know, personally, like the rest of you, just so, so excited. Um, you know, at the time of recording, uh, PSG versus Wolfsburg hasn't happened yet. I, I'm kind of relaxed about who it is. I think they're they're both going to be very, very difficult, formidable opponents. I don't think there's that much between the teams. Maybe Wolfsburg is slightly better. I am expecting them to go through. But if PSG pull it round. I wouldn't exactly take that as evidence that they're um, a weaker team. And so I, I think the other thing as well that really sticks out for me in this game in particular is where Arsenal's improvement has been, and I think consistently in the big games under Jonas Eideval. Now, Arsenal have had some bad performances in the big games under Jonas. You know, Wolfsburg away last year, the Chelsea FA Cup final, um, Manchester City away this year, you know, those haven't been great performances, but there have been lots of good ones as well. And that is an improvement because I think for the last couple of seasons under Joe Montemoro, Arsenal's style just didn't translate well <clears throat> into these games. But what you've got with Jonas is this real emphasis on structure. And that's what's helping them in the big games. And he referenced this uh, in response to one of the questions I asked him in the post-match press conference, I asked him about Steena and Frieda blocking off the passing lanes for Georgia Stanway and Sara Zadrizil. If you watch Bayern, so much of what they do comes through those two players at the base of midfield. And I, I, I kind of said to Jonas, I thought Steena and Frieda did such a good job of blocking their lanes. And he talked about that was a big part of their plan. He wanted to force Bayern wide. Uh, he, he used the he used the term um, we didn't want them to come inside our organisation by which he meant the central areas. So he's trying to really ferry them out wide, and I don't think Bayern are at their strongest in the fullback areas. And I think he was kind of looking to to ferry Bayern out there, but he also referenced you know the structure behind Frieda and Steiner, and he said that in the first leg, sometimes that structure wasn't as strong as it could be, and Frieda and Steiner were left with too much to do. But he said he pushed the midfielders up, pushed the wide forwards up. You know, ri risky strategy, but he was talking about how he wanted them to engage much earlier, and that's what you saw particularly in the first half. That kind of 
smothering them with the, with the fire blanket type thing. So that's why Leah Williamson's in the penalty area for the first goal because they're press and why Leah Volt is on the edge of the area. Like Arsenal's midfield three play passes to each other in that goal and they're all within 20 yards of the goal. That shows you how high Arsenal were pressing and that's what he wanted um, in comparison to last week where he felt that perhaps behind Frieda and Steena it wasn't as, you know, the pressure wasn't as concerted. And that's, you know, in, in, but then in the second half, obviously they called that off a bit, but he was talking about the shape and the structure off the ball. And that, that's the thing I've always kind of felt under Jonas is that Arsenal's structure is very, very strong. Sometimes maybe that comes at the uh, expense of a bit of expression. Like, for example, in that West Ham game, I think maybe a Joe Montemoro team, there's maybe a bit more fluidity of movement and someone scores a goal. And Joe Montemoro's teams tended to thrash everyone outside the top three, like not even one or two nil, but Arsenal really easily dealt with those teams. But that style did not translate as well into these games. And I think Jonas has got Arsenal's structure into a really, really kind of nice place for these games. Um, and, and also, you know, when I look back at the first half of the first leg, Leah Schuller's movement was terrifying me I was thinking god she's popping up everywhere you know she's such a great player because she's able to do that just move across the front line I thought she caused us real problems in the first half of the first leg basically didn't see her after that she was taken off in this game when Bayern needed a goal and that's a massive compliment to Arsenal as well because she's an extraordinary player but it was about cutting her off and that meant that Arsenal were just forcing the ball to Bayern's fullbacks letting them play and yeah again to use Jonas's phrase not not letting them kind of play inside our organization so really like tactically this was pretty sublime um over two legs particularly this one to restrict Bayern in the way that they did by being organized by being structured by having that shape off the ball and that understanding of where everyone should be and Jonas talked um in the post match press conference about how this felt like a culmination for him. I think this is how of of like all the work that's happened since he arrived at the club, and I think this is really how he sees his team. Um, and now he wants to see it more and more. This is the kind of the level of understanding he wanted to get to, and now he wants to get to an even better level of understanding. So, um, you know, it's it's going to be really exciting. Whoever Arsenal play um, in the semi final, I think it's going to be another coin flip tie like this one was, and uh, we really hope it goes our way. Obviously, Arsenal play Manchester City on Sunday. Um, I, you know, I think there's cause to be worried about that, to be honest, just because Manchester City are in really good form and we've had a really big energy-sapping game on Wednesday night. We've lost, almost certainly lost two key players in Kim Little and Katie McCabe for that game. And so I think what we've got to hope for the City game is perhaps the the vi- we're playing really well as well and using that again to borrow Jonas's phrase about using he talked about using the frustration as positive energy for the second leg you know using some of the good vibe and the good feeling as positive energy for the Manchester City game but I just really wanted to put this podcast out before that happens while the feeling is really really high and just acknowledge what a fantastic result this is and just cannot wait for the Champions League semi-final because it's been too long since Arsenal have been on that stage 
Um, and I hope that 31, those of you that have made it to 31 minutes of listening to my voice, congratulations, sincerely. And we'll do a mailbag episode for you during the April international break in which I will talk to other people who exist and have thoughts, feelings and opinions. And until then, we'll speak to you later. Thank you. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.